0: stories online call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at real you're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead This is Real Ghost Stories Online.
1: Tonight, an abusive stepfather returns from the grave, but what was his intent? Dark, mysterious laughs haunt only some of the people in a group at a seemingly innocent picnic. Violent nightmares plague a college girl, not only in her sleep, but when she awakes. How many types of shadow people are there? We'll hear a story... These mysterious figures in their many forms, along with your calls, your stories, here on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Burski joining you once again. Hello.
2: Good evening. How are you? Um, good. Are you ill? I am ill. But I am here for my...
1: Do you have the bola?
2: No, I don't have Ebola.
1: No, not not Ebola. The bola.
2: The bola? It's
1: the new hip way. That's how the kids are saying it. You got the The bola? Oh,
2: no. I'm not down with the bola. You're not
1: down with the bola? (laughs) No. Okay. Uh, Hopefully it doesn't turn out to be as bad as SARS did in the U.S. the other year. Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, that never really got that bad. No. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Satirical humor. I love it. Hey, if you're not an EPP yet... Please join us uh, and become an EPP. It just help support the show. Keeps us on the air. It's only five bucks a month. Uh, or you can do a full year up front, and you're an EPP for, for a full year. Uh, it's completely up to you how you want to do it. Uh, you go to Real Ghost Stories online, click Become an EPP, and we give you a bonus episode every single week. It equates to 52 extra episodes of the show sent directly to your inbox. Every single week you get a new one. So that's kind of neato-keen. Kids are saying that now too. Neat yeah. and keen, aren't they?
2: Uh, yeah, that's about as popular as swell.
1: I liked using the word keen in high school because I like, get war- like looks like. What are you? Why are you talking like that? <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, on the last uh, EPP bonus episodes, some uh, very interesting stories. Uh, Dave, who was on the show not that long ago, uh, and talked about his ghost daughter, Sarah. Or yeah, Sarah, uh-huh. uh, the ghost daughter. He wrote in actually originally. He called in and actually gave us a big update on all of that and, and how the interaction goes on within the family. It's, it's a really neat call, and it's a really neat story of Dave and his ghost daughter, Sarah. that uh, was uh, originally in a previous episode, and then he gave us an update on the last EPP episodes. So if you want that, become an EPP. You'll get the link to that uh, when that next email goes out later in the week. Something else our EPPs are going to be getting very soon. And it's really also very swell, and gnarly, and excellent. Um, totally rad. Yeah, we are our the the trailer is is out now, and it's been posted onto our uh, YouTube site, and it's also uh, I posted it on Facebook, and I posted it on the website. Um, they have its own post, so you can see it right there. Um, it's a trailer uh, for our uh, upcoming uh, short film. Uh, that we're uh, giving just to EPPs only. It's another little extra thank you. We've been talking about doing this. We're doing it. Um, and it's uh, uh, it's about a haunted airport. Yeah. It's about an airport that had so many crazy, amazing, historical things that happened to it, that went through it, the people that went through it. And it still stands to this day as as uh, an airport museum, essentially, in right. Wichita, Kansas. Um, and it's called Spirits in the Air, correct? Yes. And uh, that is uh, going to be, uh, the the short film will be uh, sent directly to the EPPs uh, in, a, in the coming months, I'll say. I'm going to say coming soon, um, but uh, you can see the trailer for it uh, up on the website. If you want to be able to see the full film once it's complete, you need to be an EPP because it's only going out uh, to the EPPs. I mean, you were telling me yesterday about some of the people who went through this airport.
2: Oh, yeah. It's one of the few airports in the world where Amelia Earhart and Charles Lindbergh flew in and flew out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Howard Hughes buzzed the tower, literally. Mm -hmm. And Fred Astaire, for whatever reason, he was in Wichita, and they said he did a little dance on the terrazzo tile there. It's just a neat building. It's very near and dear to my heart. Yeah.
1: So we're, we're putting together a short film about the airport, about its history, and about its hauntings because there's a lot that goes on within that airport that is completely unexplained. Yeah. So, uh, we will be, uh, sharing that very soon with our EPPs. Please become an EPP so you don't miss this film. It's going to be really, really cool when it's complete. The thing is, if you don't know much about, um, Wichita, which I don't blame you. I didn't know much about Wichita until I moved here. Uh, Within the city limits, it's known as the air capital of the world. And to those, I guess, in the know of of aviation are probably aware of that fact. But right. to the layman like I am uh, before I came here. I didn't know anything about the air industry, but the the city itself has a huge history uh, with with aviation.
2: And see, I'm an aviation dork, sure. so and, I and you're
1: you've been here a good chunk of your life. Oh too. Oh my gosh, so. I've been
2: here you know twenty three, almost twenty four years. Sure, and so it's been it, it's so ingrained in me. I'm uncomfortable physically when I go other places, and there's not the sound of planes like mm-hmm. constantly because that's so frequently here.
1: And it's it's called the air capital of the wor- uh, world. Why?
2: Because. Um, back when general aviation started as far as people being able to buy aircraft people were coming back from World War 1 that knew how to fly and the general aviation as far as people being able to take a plane as public transportation that really got its roots here um and into somewhat today is still very much very, very ingrained in the, in the city, um, you know, back in the twenties and thirties on the heels of the first, first world war, you had all these pilots coming back and they started up these little aircraft companies and there was like 40 aircraft companies. Mm -hmm. Um, some of the big ones that still are here today are Beechcraft and, you know, spirit, which is affiliated with Boeing, um, you know, Cessna. But the thing that people don't realize is about 40% of all aircraft comes out of the city.
1: Yeah, so which is shocking. It is because you don't think of that. I mean, honestly, when I heard the city of Wichita for the first time, I thought it's going to be interstate. There'll be a big boy on the side of the road, <laughs> and probably a couple Western Wear stores. Um, and really, I mean, it's it's nothing like that. It's really quite a, a large city. Um but. well
2: and a lot of things you know we have a very deep entrepreneurial background here pizza hut got started here white castle which essentially was the first burger chain which we have
1: no here. white castle anymore we
2: but. don't even have that but i mean there's all yeah. kinds of things that start here and then spread
1: so um it's it's really interesting with with the uh the aviation and the history and that that museum that was once the the city airport the municipal airport i mean and i think back to like the the young men going out to world war ii And well, this is like the yeah. last stop of like being you know in civilian life before they're taken off and getting an, i mean just the energy and there's not many buildings that are still standing that those events occurred in
2: and on a personal note I- I can't go there without thinking about the stories of my grandfather when he was a little boy growing up here. He would ride the streetcar down to the airport to watch the planes. Mm -hmm. And that was the airport he flew out of when he flew to California to board his ship on the way to Pearl Harbor in May of 1941 to be there for the attack in December. Yeah. You know, just so much things, things like that. Yeah.
1: I mean, you just, you feel the energy walking through that place. So anyway, that's coming up very soon. Check out the trailer. It's uh, up on the website at Real Ghost Stories on Online.com and become an EPP so you uh, are there when we release that uh, that short film i very excited about that and there's there's going to be many more of these to come uh, here from Real Ghost Stories Online let's go to a caller at 855-853-4802 Hey
3: Tony uh, my name is Jacob and uh, I'm sorry if I stuttered. it, it is actually about almost 5 o'clock in the morning 444 right now I am a 14 year old so I like to stay up I kind of feel like I'm one of your younger callers, um, but I just wanted to tell you an experience that I've had in a house of mine. And uh, I actually wrote into you one time about a a Ouija board uh, experience that I had. Um, but yeah, this house of mine, I don't currently live in it, but uh, some people do now, and I don't know if they've experienced anything. But I would hear calls, I would hear my name called everywhere and my mom, and it would sound like my mom, but it couldn't be because rather my mom was away, she was gone, uh, she was in bed, whatever the circumstance, it couldn't have been her. Or she just playing out could be and it wasn't. Um, And also one night, like. Many people have had experiences in this house. I've only had a few uh, hearing calls. Um, but one day, my mom heard a huge glass smash. And uh, my mom came downstairs. And she just saw the toilet bowl cover smashed on the floor. Like, absolutely smashed. And she didn't know what to do. Uh, so she just went back up to bed. But it was insane. Uh I don't know how I didn't wake up or how my brother didn't wake up to this because it was apparently really loud. And I was I was upstairs at the time asleep because it was probably like three o'clock in the morning and I had to school the next day. And then could not be my brother? Because same thing, he was sleeping because of school. Uh, also, a uh, quick story behind this: my brother used to be huge into. Witchcraft, so he really conjured up this whole thing we believe. Um, but back to the story. Uh, and then my uh, mom's boyfriend, he would, he once felt like a hand smack him on the head. So, um, but the, really the worst experience I ever had, uh, scariest thing ever I felt. I've never seen an apparition. Uh, I've been in contact with a few, though. I've uh, talked to them uh, between the Ouija board, but you guys probably already read that. Um, <laughs> I was uh, I go to bed, and I like it really cold when I sleep, and so does my mom. And I like my fan uh, on all the time. In fact, it's really cold in here right now. Um, But... I turned on my fan, and I was probably about nine years old, and I just heard this huge, like, gushing wind, like maybe what I could, the way I could describe it is like a hurricane wind. Like something went by really fast, but yet I didn't feel anything. I didn't. I, I just heard something, and I didn't, I didn't even see anything. So I got really spooked out then, and uh, went back to my mom's house. I went to my mom's room and asked her if I could stay the night there. Oh, but yeah, Tony, uh, that was my story. I really like having your wife on the uh, podcast, on the show. And uh, if you want more stories, I have plenty more. uh, Just say so, or uh, I'll call it. All right, thanks.
1: Bye. Thanks for calling in and sharing your story. I was 14 when I started in commercial radio. So. Oh, really? Yep, yep. So that's uh, that kind of cool. Um, I appreciate the story. I, I, I think it, it kind of summed it up there like in a very brief point of, oh, yeah, my brother was into witchcraft a lot. So, uh, no, I mean, it depends what type of witchcraft he's into, because I don't want to offend anyone who's uh, in the community, because, yes, there's, there's a very many variations of it that are are not harmful whatsoever. I'm assuming though he was probably alluding to some sort of dark art other than your more non dark variety, if you will
2: yeah well and it, it sounded like whatever the spirits that are in the house were doing were almost kind of like what a a boy a teenage boy would do, like smack somebody on the head or say names to scare them, you know? It
1: sounded, a kind of poltergeist-ish, yeah. you know, almost violent, though, you know, tearing the toilet bowl down. That that takes a little bit of force to blow up a toilet bowl or yeah. or, or crash it onto the ground with that much force. I mean, you can tip over a toilet bowl and it won't break. Um, if you, you know, jam it onto the ground with force, sure, then it'll shatter and go everywhere. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, and they're not light either. I mean, that's a couple person job usually. Right. So. Thank you for the call. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories online to share your real ghost story with us. Uh, here's a letter. It says, this is a family story told to me by my great aunt, Kasha. It started in Poland, where my great grandmother, Anna, and her sister and great aunt Catherine were born. The family was very poor and recently had lost their husband and father through an illness which resulted in his death. This left the mother Sophie no choice but to take a position as a laundress with a wealthy family in town. The son of the wealthy family forcibly raped Sophie. When it was discovered she was pregnant, the rich people paid one of their farm workers, Andrew, to marry Sophie and give them tickets on a ship bound for America. They settled in Pennsylvania. This little family remained quite poor. Sophie took in washing, and Andrew worked in a slaughterhouse nearby. Andrew was very nasty, a very mean person. He was a drunkard, uh, and one who bought drink instead of providing for the family he now had. Luckily, the slaughterhouse scraps he brought home kept them from going hungry. Catherine was the eldest daughter, was constantly... uh, the sounding board for, for Andrew's wrath, drunken tirades and demands, sometimes taking her by the long braid she wore and beating her mercilessly uh, as well as beating Sophie. The abuse grew worse when Catherine was 12 years old. Andrew began to sexually abuse Catherine at that time. The misery continued over five years. Catherine gave birth to a son, a product of this abuse. This may have continued indefinitely, if not for the sudden death of Andrew. Andrew had been walking home one stormy evening and in a shortcut, out of the rain, decided to go through a grove of apple trees where he was struck by lightning and killed. This happened when Catherine was 18 years old. Many years later, almost 50 years later, Catherine was married happily for 30 years. Her children were grown off on their own while she was happy with her life. The shadow of the past kept troubling her, haunting her throughout her life. She could never push those awful memories away. And being a strict Catholic, Catherine was always taught to pray for those who had harmed her. She could never pray for Andrew. One night, a strong storm with hail and lightning and thunder crashing woke Catherine up from her sleep. She tossed and turned, but could not fall back into slumber. Fearing she'd wake her husband with all her tossing and turning, she decided to go downstairs and get a shot of whiskey, and maybe that would help her sleep. I must stop here and tell you I remember this house because it was a huge and spooky house. As a child, I would go and visit Aunt Catherine. And many times, the grown-ups talked in Polish, so that left us bored. As kids, we wanted to snoop around the big old home, but we were afraid. If we had to use the bathroom, we had to go upstairs where they had the old pole chain toilets and tons of antiques all over, which made it smell old and look kind of creepy. Needless to say... We held our water at Aunt Catherine's house. I was not afraid of her, though, and loved to hear her stories. She was thought odd by the family because she told fortunes and interpreted dreams and such. I thought she was just grand. Now, on this particular night, Catherine was cold and agitated and quite tired, although she couldn't sleep. She hadn't turned any lights on because the lighting was so intense and frequent It was lighting her way through the house. It was a very large old fashioned kitchen with a walk in pantry and mud porch attached. You could look straight through the outside door, and the door from the mud porch into the kitchen through two panes of glass on two separate doors. Catherine went into the pantry and poured herself a shot of whiskey, then took a second. It sounded like all hell was breaking loose outside, and she went into the kitchen to peer out the doors. The lightning flashed, and there on the mud porch, only a pane of glass away, was her stepfather, Andrew, in a black shadow. She did not see his features, although she knew it was him because he wore a cape and top hat. The figure she saw was dressed this way, and she knew it was him. She backed away so fast she fell. After scrambling up onto her knees, she looked back through the door just as the lightning struck again and he was gone. She was on her knees and scared half to death and started to pray. Getting up, she went back to the kitchen and upstairs, turning lights on along the way. Her first thought was to wake her husband. By the time she got to the doorway of the room, she changed her mind, thinking she must have been mistaken. He couldn't have been there. She just got spooked, that's all. All the while, the storm was raging outside. She climbed into bed, and once tucked in, her eyes traveled to the triple set of windows across the room. A sudden flash of lightning lit up the whole room. Just as quick as the thunder crashed, the lightning struck again, and this time revealing her stepfather's form standing in front of the windows. Catherine could not cry out. She couldn't move. All she could move were her eyes as she watched him come towards her. He didn't walk, he sort of floated or glided slowly to the bed. Catherine watched while he bent over her. And as he did, the light from the hallway shined on him. Then she saw his face, which was wet with tears, not rain. Tears. Suddenly, she wasn't afraid anymore. He bent over her. Catherine watched as he brushed her forehead with cold lips. When he started to rise back up, a single tear fell from his face and hit her cheek. He backed away slowly, just as weightless as he had approached. He never turned around, and when the lightning flashed again, he went backward in a sort of falling motion right out of the window, and he was gone.
2: I have to think that he was remorseful. Can a ghost be remorseful?
1: I would think so. Maybe it's one of those things. Once you're dead, you kind of got to make amends to things if you're going to move on. Yeah. Uh, and show remorse if that's what it takes. How'd you like that for your family history?
2: It's very detailed, very well written letter. Yeah.
1: I mean, uh, could you? I mean, so tell me about your family. Well, let me start way, way, way back. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> a. Great, um. I mean, it's just a very interesting, uh, very interesting story that. Um. Yeah, I mean, that's one hell of a story.
2: Yeah, it really is. <laughs> I, just,
1: uh, I don't have to say, very well written, very, very interesting, detailed account of uh, events that occurred uh, within their family. If you have a real ghost story, you can call it into us 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 855 853 4802. That is the phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online. And you can, of course, always write into us on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. If you have a comment uh, or like to discuss something you heard on the program, feel free to do that on our message board forum section on the website of Real Ghost Stories Online. There's always lively conversation going on there uh, of uh, things that we talked about here on the show at Real Ghost Stories. Online. Let's go to a caller at 855 853 4802. Hello.
4: Hey guys, my name is uh, Negron from Connecticut. I'm a truck driver for you guys. Just recently started listening to you guys. I think the show's great. Love it. Keep it going. Um, it's October 6th. I got a story of Black Eyed Grandpa. So, as I mentioned before, I'm a truck driver and uh, from New England. Uh, I reside here in Connecticut, and this particular night I was up in uh, Pennsylvania on my way out to Hall PA, and uh, I was on Interstate 84, and there's this rest area that's at the top of the mountain just before you get to the PA border. I believe it's still in New York State, and uh, it's about 2.30 in the morning, and I got to go to the bathroom, so I pull over to the rest area. I see one car there, so I'm parked parallel you know, with the parking spaces, there's nobody there. So I parked, you know, I took up all these spaces and I got this car about 30 yards in front of me. There's no lights on, there's no nothing. And it appeared to be, you know, vacant. Nobody was in it. Um, so anyway, I go, the, the, the truck is uh, on, I shut my headlights off. I got my running lights running, et cetera. I go between the trailer and my tractor where, you know, our bus truck drivers, you know, tend to do our business on the passenger side. And then as I'm doing my thing, all of a sudden someone taps at my shoulder. I freak out, I turn around and there's an old man there. And I said, to him, I, you know, I said a few syllables to the guy and I just, you know, beep 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 beep, you know, you scared the heck out of me. And he goes, oh, I didn't even bother him. And he just looks at me, and he goes, I've lost my dog. Could you help me please find my dog? And I says, yeah, give me a minute, man. Let me finish up here, you know? So I, I, I you know. Two seconds later, man, I flip, zip, and turn around, and the guy's gone. Nowhere where to be found. Right away, heebie-jeebie moment. You know, I'm sitting there freaking out. Hey, old man, where are you? You know, guy's gone. I walk alongside my trailer. I get to the back, and the the the, the heebie-jeebie feeling came back immediately. But it was like a hundred times. You know, worse, and the, the here, and my neck started standing up, and right there, I knew something was wrong. It wasn't right. Gone. I start hauling ass right back to the to my truck. I get in there. I fly over to the passenger side. Hit the lock button. Hit my lock button. I'm trying to start the truck. The truck's already started. Um, I turn my headlights on. I go to get out of there, and the moment I turn those headlights on, boy, black-eyed grandpa standing right there in front of my grill. About 10 feet in front of the truck, he's sitting there looking right at me. And I'll never forget, he was wearing like a purplish windbreaker with with, um, brown corduroy pants and one of those little golfer hats. I don't know what you call them. And his eyes were like the most frightening looking thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, like I'm telling the story and I'm getting goosebumps and his eyes were black. I hauled ass out of there so quick, man. It was like, I, it was my job and I get to my store about, probably about a good 45 minutes later. I'm making a delivery. The guy's wondering, you know, what's, what's going on. There's something obviously wrong that's bothering me. I, I explain it to him and, you know, Almost halfway, as soon as I told him what had happened, he starts chuckling, and I'm looking at him, and I'm like, dude, what's what, what the matter with you? This is not funny. I'm not making this up. And he says to me, he goes, Negron, he goes, you're not the only driver that has told me, you know, about the same story that, that you just endured. He says, at the top of that west area, there's an old village down bottom. He goes, you know, did you happen to notice? And I says, no, I wasn't sightseeing after that episode. He says, well, there's a huge cliff down there. You're, you know, you're, you're up there. You're about, you know, 12,000 feet, something like that in elevation. He goes, you're way up there. And at the bottom, there's a village down there. And he goes, and that's where I was born and raised. That's where I grew up. He says, back in 1962, I think it was, there was a gentleman that was an old-timer that had been in this little village all his life. And he had a dog. And there was a trail that would go all the way from the village, all the way up top to the rest area. And before 84 came through there, it was, a, it was called Prospect Mountain. And it, that, that's where they used to go and do picnics and whatnot. And one year, there was a, a, a mudslide, a landslide. And he got caught in the trail, him and his dog, and they both perished. So there is this guy, Harold. Uh, I think his name was Dickinson or yeah, Dickinson or something in regard, something like that. And uh the receiver that I was dealing with remembered the guy, knew the guy and he passed away him and his dog. they eventually found him. but anyway, I thought you guys would get a kick out of that. That was uh, you know there's other things that have happened I maybe mean, just get another time off'll call back and let you know but uh, for the most part, you know anything black-eyed kids black-eyed grandpa you can't go wrong so I figured I'd give you guys a call. Anyway, have a good night. love the show and uh, look forward to hearing my uh, story on your show. take care.
2: Oh, my God. I think I would hold it from now on. <laughs> I'm just going to skip the rest stops. That's horrible.
1: Just start wearing some adult diapers.
2: Yeah. we like th- that crazy lady that drove to Florida that time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah. What was that from?
2: Oh, no, that's a true story. She went to kill her astronaut lover. Or something like that. Remember that?
1: Yeah, that was like a news story. Wasn't it was it? so
2: weird you couldn't make that shit
1: up. It was a bizarre murder story. What? Yeah. Yeah, and she, to avoid having to stop at the rest stop, she wore adult diapers the whole trip. And yeah, wow. I
2: tell you what, I don't know. Black eyed grandpa, that's scary.
1: There's been uh, an increase, and I got to read up on this more so I can talk intelligently about it. Uh, an increase recently, I believe, in the black eyed children being seen. Oh really? Um, in in one part of the world, and I, I've shared a couple stories of it on uh, on our Facebook page. I've skimmed some of the stories and some of the articles. I haven't read them in depth, so I, I like I said, I, I can't talk super intelligently about it. But that itself is a creepy ass phenomena. If if you were to be visited by, essentially, like this guy was, just very intrusively, what is otherwise. An old gentleman coming up to you asking if you can help him find his dog? Yeah, that would be a normal thing. You're like, oh, I'd be happy to help you, sir. Sure. But when he has black eyes yeah, and he just pops up when you're peeing, uh, <laughs> you know, that's, I mean, kind of how the black eye children phenomena is reported as well. I mean, not they're popping up at truckers and they're peeing, but they're essentially show up at people's homes and they ask to do like mundane things like, can I use your bathroom? Um, just weird things like you know, can you you know see my my can I see your dog in the backyard or, or what? Just things that a, a child without reservation would ask. Uh huh. You know, just kind of an innocent child would ask, and you know, you could either look at it like, well, this child is up to something, or they are just really have no notion of what's safe and unsafe. Um, That's kind of what the black-eyed children phenomenon tends to be. They're doing things like that, and people are just like, what the hell? And they look at the kids, and it's eyes that are completely black. So now, being that at this day and age we have contacts that can change the color of your eyes, and these stories are very public at this point in time, I could see it being some mischievous 14-year-olds going, let's get some contacts and make our eyes look totally black and go fuck with the neighborhood.
2: See, Uh, I I could see older kids doing that, but younger kids are going to have a very difficult time getting their hands on those contacts.
1: Sure. Well, yeah. I I think this kind of depends how sort of parental guidance is going on in their homes.
2: Could you imagine the fear, though, when you get up in that truck and you turn the headlights on and... Boom, there
1: he is. He didn't say if he drove over Black Eyed Grandpa. (laughs) (laughs) He just said he took off out of there. So I'm assuming either Black Eyed Grandpa moved or Black Eyed Grandpa got run over by an Um, 18-wheeler. Oh, man. You (laughs) know? We're going to release this story There's it's going to be like Oh my god That There's a story of a man Who got run over in a Truck stop And he was an old man With a dog And they found him And they didn't know who it was Oh well he called our show <laughs> He wasn't so paranormal after all Now was he No No <laughs> Oh, but uh, very interesting story. We would love to hear more from you, sir. Uh, thank you for calling in and uh, sharing your story with us. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Here's a letter. that says uh, from Carolyn, I'm listening to past episodes and have a few ideas on questions you have brought up. The mini series on uh, haunted, uh, the haunted subdivision, could have been "Grave Secrets: A Legacy of Hilltop Drive." Yes, it was, I believe. Because I think I've googled that too, and I think I've seen it. This is we talked about this a long time ago. This mini series I watched years ago. We should watch that one in the movie room with the girls sometime.
2: Yeah, great idea.
1: Actually, I think I stopped watching it when I was like eleven or twelve. Because it got kind of creepy. Or my mom made me stop watching it.
2: The intro to Goosebumps freaked our (laughs) seven-year-old out. So, yeah, that's that's not going to happen. Is Goosebumps? Yeah.
1: And I said, I was honestly surprised because I thought, okay, you know, we want to watch something Halloween-y. And there's very few kids' Halloween things that I really kind of get into.
2: And you can only watch Hocus Pocus so many times. Yeah, and the
1: other option was Haunted Mansion. And I'm like, oh, Goosebumps, okay, Let's, let's see what it is. Um, and she got free. I, I, I was taken aback. So I'm like, am I doing something wrong here? Like, I thought this would be good for you. Like, this is made for kids your age.
2: Yeah. I don't know.
1: Yeah. (laughs) One who's scared of a lot. And we have one who's like hugging zombies.
2: Well, the littlest one, we showed <laughs> her the trailer that we were talking about yeah. earlier. She wanted to watch it four times in a row. <laughs> That's true.
1: She's like, spooky! Yeah. yeah. And the funny part is, the one who wants who wants likes some spooky stuff is two. Yeah. <laughs> and the other one is almost eight. Um, it's just funny. It's, they're, 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 they're their own little people. They sure are. You know? Yeah. But yeah, the little one. If, if you like spooky things, yeah, you'll like this trailer. It's approved by our two-year-old, who indeed, yes, did watch it, insisted on watching it four times because it contained two things she loves, spookiness and airplanes. Yes. Like, spooky airplanes? Watch again! (laughs) So, it's approved by our two-year-old. Anyway, check it out. Uh, Continuing on with this letter. Uh, On the ghosts of the living, there are legends of doppelgangers, which are sometimes seen when the actual person they look like is somewhere else. Uh it uh, might also be the result of an OBE out of body experience. I think there was a story on Sightings. Remember Sightings? Yeah. I, I like that show. Uh although <laughs> I just think there was always they were shot in front of like a fake newsroom. And it's like like there was actually these people in the back working on this stuff. Complete bullshit. <laughs> but sure. good show. Uh although it could have been a different show entirely. I would still do or watch any true life ghost stories I can find. Once about a woman who had uh, dreamt of a particular house for years and finally found it in real life. The real estate agent did inform her the house was supposedly haunted, but it wasn't until she met the owner and uh, she found out that she was the ghost they kept seeing.
2: Oh, that's crazy. That's messed up. Yeah.
1: It's like she was astrally projecting herself into the... uh, future home she was about to own I would say, but the thing is you get stories like that where people have the stories of I dreamt about um, this house this house this house and it was their whole life and all of a sudden they're an adult and they're house hunting and all of a sudden they come across the house sure you know so that's it's like one step further
2: so I wonder if there's the ghost of you walking around that town you visit in your dreams
1: (laughs) that sounds pretty messed up I can't imagine it actually existing I don't know ah, stranger things have happened we've been to some pretty weird towns here in kansas <laughs> so, yeah pretty much i could, you know some way out there at once you know i don't know um i'm trying to think if there's anything like physically impossible about that town i would say that weird church antique store in that town is a physical impossibility the way it's laid out in my dream
2: okay
1: but the rest of it eh, i really think it's a variation on Wausau, wisconsin Honestly, because there's a lot of points to it that were how that city was, um, with a lot of psychological embellishments, if you will, made to them. But you never know. <laughs> I haven't been to Wasan like 10 years, so I could go visit someday and, like, oh my God, it's just like in my dream you have a creepy antique ghost church with physical impossibilities in the architecture uh 855 let's go to a caller hi good
5: morning tony or it's morning here so um <clears throat> just had to pause the divot box episode because you were telling the story of your daughter going trying to go to the haunted house absolutely hilarious um I've got a six-year-old and he keeps asking can I listen to the ghost story show let's listen to ghost stories let's listen to ghost stories <clears throat> and I've actually tried with him but um, just I was like Nope, nope. it's not if these kids can make it through that's not what I'm worried about I'm not worried about them when they're watching TV or you know haunted house or ghost story show whatever it you know if they if they make it through that's okay it's the nighttime that worries me because that crap's gonna come back to them at night. But um, it, it was, just, I was laughing hysterically when, when and I'm, I'm sorry, I feel kind of rude now. Not laughing at your daughter, but it just, it, it was funny when you were saying, can we go, we gotta go, I can't make it. 10 feet in. When I was four, no, I must've been older than four. When I was a little guy, <clears throat> we uh, were in Florida at Disney World. And, uh, sure enough, we went into the haunted house and talked my dad into it, and he's carrying me, and I was so scared that all I remember, and, you know, I'm 40, and this is one of those stories I'll never, ever forget, and I'll tell my kids, but I, you know, here I am, thinking I'm all macho, and I can't make it, freaked out, so I thought it'd be smart to say, there's a little boy coming, little boy coming, little boy coming, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I remember people actually, you know, the people that jump out at you like they they would actually kind of like make sure I was okay, give me a little pat. But um I just thought that was really funny. Sorry I'm rambling. I almost broke my foot the other day and I'm on I'm on medication, but um a little suggestion for you tone uh I cannot afford to be an EPP. I want to be so bad, but we're having two kids. I've already had to cut all the fat from, from the budget. Can you somehow figure out a way to do a donation? That's what I recommend, a donation box. Um, that way around Christmas time when I get my bonus, I can just drop a little in the kitty, as you say. Uh, also, I have to save up for the awesome beer can holder that's in the um, in the store. It's awesome. It's a thermos one. I've been looking for that thing for years and years and years, and boom, there it is. So I'll be definitely purchasing that one. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Sorry for rambling, but that story was hilarious. Take care, guys.
1: Thank you, Tim Z, for calling in. <laughs> and uh,
2: always a riot. I love that he thought that announcing there was a little boy coming that the people at the the amusement attraction would take pity on him <laughs> yeah
1: exactly I I uh, it's I re, when he's talking about going through a haunted house as a kid I brought it back in memory I remember my parents taking me to um, like the local JC's haunted house um, and they did a like a kid's version of it in like a Saturday afternoon like one day of the the season and um, you know pretty much lights on not very spooky I was about five or so when they took me to it and I was so disappointed and <laughs> we walking out of there going um can we go to a real haunted house now because this <laughs> is like for little kids
2: that's funny and I'm
1: five and I'm like eh, my little kids <sighs> so the next year we, we went to a haunted woods and it was awesome and it was creepy and scary and they chased you with chainsaws and it was it was great fun.
2: I'm really glad her oldest didn't make it through because that's exactly what I was thinking is that she's going to have nightmares and she's going to be banging on the door trying to wake us up because she can't go back to sleep. So I was actually kind of thankful that that didn't work out for her.
1: And then the way you combat that so she doesn't come back and bang on the door ever again is you answer the door with a mask on.
2: Oh my at God. At 3
1: a.m. And you're, you're like... Who are you looking for?
2: I don't want to know the <laughs> exact horrible. moment that my daughter ends up needing therapy. <laughs> and
1: then he showed up at the door with a.
2: <laughs> yep.
1: Now, I would never do that, but <laughs> that would be. Oh, ways to scar your children for life. You could write a book of just ideas. And uh, the thing is, somebody would take it and do it. That's the thing. I mean, it's all totally satirical and just you know, for a laugh. But you know, someone would go, oh, that's a good idea. I thought it was a parenting manual.
2: Exactly. So many
1: anyway. of them. And Timsey, about the donation thing. Um, I-, I have had a few people ask me about that in the past. Um, and if you want to email me direct about that, Tony at RealGhostStoriesOnline.com. Uh, We can set up something like that um, if you want to help out. And uh, what I've done in the past a couple of times for some folks in in a similar situation of uh, if you want to do a one-time donation, that's cool. And then in exchange, I send you that week's uh, EPP episode. As a, uh, a little thank you, uh, so uh, go ahead and uh, email me about that. We have a new option up there uh, for the EPPs as well, because uh, some folks are like, do we have to do like a monthly debit of the five dollar thing if that's if we want to be an EPP? Uh, Could we just do like a yearly subscription? So yes, we've now made it an option. You can be an EPP for a year. You just pay it all up, and then uh, no monthly debits, and uh, there you go. You're you're good to go. Cool. It's Nito Keen. <laughs> Is. 855 853 4802 is a phone number to call in with your real ghost story or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. Here's a letter. Can't say that I possess any extraordinary uh, extrasensory gifts, but throughout my 25 years of life, I've noticed my somewhat higher than usual sensitivity to the energies around me. Never have I seen a spirit, but I will certainly hear, feel, and sense them around me. And more often than not, I am more attuned to feeling malevolent energies. My first memory with the paranormal occurred when I was about six years old. I grew up in a rural area of southern Appalachia, and I spent my childhood with relatives of mine who are all similar in age to me. The property in which my relatives live has been in the family for well over one hundred years, and pre twentieth century house once stood on the location of the present house. One, or on this day during summer break, my relatives had a friend over to play. It was a sunny afternoon, and we had all gathered under the plum tree in the front yard to play, Uh, I would assume. Not long after we settled under the tree, I heard this unearthly laugh. It was deep, evil, and it did not belong to the living. Absolutely terrified. I looked around to see if anyone else was on the ground that had heard it. The only other person to do so was my relative's friend. I asked her if she heard it, and she agreed. That experience has plagued me ever since. I struggled with questions of what was it? Where did it come from? How did the only two people who did not live on the property hear that laugh? What did it mean? Why me? Even at a young age, I knew that no living person could make such a noise." I never told my parents out of fear for obvious reasons, but that experience never left me. Flash forward to the summer of 2012 and 23 years old. I just completed my first year of grad school, and I was about to move out of our four-bedroom apartment Due to my current job, I was forced to remain in the town and work until my lease expired. All my roommates went home for the summer, so I had a whole apartment to myself. My first year out of undergrad was a very rough year for me. I abused drugs, developed and overcame an eating disorder, went through a life-changing breakup, and I completed the most stressful semester of college I'd ever experienced. But nothing about this apartment seemed out of the ordinary. In fact, it became home to me. For a while, anyway. But that summer, when I lived there by myself, clean and eating disorder-free, I began feeling very uncomfortable, like something was watching me. Then one night, I sleptwalked through the apartment. I vaguely remember going in and out of consciousness, but nothing else about the experience. The following morning, I found the living room trashed, and for whatever reason, the entire roll of toilet paper rolled out into the trash can in the bathroom. I don't think much of this, and I chalked it up to the same old grapes that I had ate before going to bed. The uncomfortable feeling quickly intensified in the apartment, but I was moving out at the end of July, so I tried to disregard any unwelcome feelings. Three days before I was to move out, I had a difficult time falling asleep due to the overwhelming sense of being watched. Around 3 a.m., I violently, violently awoke with a disgusting slurping sound in my left ear. And a dream in which I was being told the seven names of demons. Again, I was terrified. I kept the light on for the rest of the night. I refused to spend another night in that apartment and, and commuted 90 minutes to work and back from my parents' house. Those experiences have not left me and continue to haunt me. I often wonder what will happen next and if it will be more severe. I'm apprehensive of talking about them out of fear of inviting something else to occur. I do not adhere to any Christian-based faith, so I struggle to properly explain what I have experienced.
2: I think the most interesting part of that one to me is the fact that when they heard the laugh initially, that it was just her and one other person that didn't live there. So it was like mm-hmm. the, whatever was laughing was controlling who heard it or those two were the only two in the group that are sensitive to anything.
1: What if the kids who are on the property are just so used to hearing it? It was just like like airplanes here in Wichita. We don't hear them. Yeah. Because they're there all the time.
2: I don't know. Could be.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Very, uh, for a better understanding of it, even if you don't subscribe to a Christian-based faith, based faith, that's fine. Uh, but it, what's you may want to... Maybe study up a little bit on some of their doctrines and and about the demons and about the heaven and the hell and and how that all interacts with each other. That may give you a better understanding and look maybe further into what some of those names were. Maybe get a better understanding of what it was that brought it to you. And I'm not saying run around your house and repeat the names because that's the last thing you should do. But if you're wanting to get a better understanding of what's going on and how some of that, uh, i guess functions uh that may be a good place to to start uh 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call into real ghost stories online when they're having the names of demons whispered in their ear i'm pretty sure we can say it's a demonic presence you think so i think that's pretty much i can safely say that one okay good Agree? Unless I, it's a really messed up dark person ghost that's like, hey, I'm going to go totally fuck with this person and say these demon names. And they're going to think the devil's in their house.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I would assume that it's...
1: Could be anything. Yeah. But I don't know. That to me just... I don't know. I think you got to err on that side. Yeah. Just in case.
2: I think the key factor there is if she knew them beforehand or not. Sure. Sure. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's true. They are weird names a lot of times, though, too. I'm mm-hmm. like, what the hell is that? Anyhow, Nina writes in, Dear Real Ghost Stories Online, like many others that have written into your program, I've had many experiences, most of which occurred during my favorite, my formative teenage years. My experiences helped to shape my view of the world and my own personal Beliefs. Experiencing things such as ghosts is never easy, and expressing them is even harder. So I must thank you for the wonderful community you've created which allows others to share their experiences without shame. For some reason, I feel compelled to write to you about my experiences with shadow people. Hopefully, somebody out there listening may find this helpful. I consider myself to be somewhat sensitive. I have uh, physically felt, emotionally felt, heard, smelled, and seen unexplained things. Unlike experiences with spirits, when I have encountered shadow people, I do not feel an energy. For instance, I can tell if the, ener- if the energy is behind me in both of the below encounters. I did not sense that the being was ple- was present until I saw it. I do not know if it's inherent in the nature of the being, or uh, if they're able to mask their presence, or if due to the uh, to any ability I may lack. There are all interesting possibilities to think about. The first encounter I had with a shadow person happened in broad daylight. I had just arrived home from school. I pulled my car into the garage, and as I was turning the car off, I casually looked out my side mirror. I wanted to make sure it was far enough away from my father's workbench, which stood against the wall, so that he would be able to work at it. As I did, I noticed for a brief and shocking second that a dark figure stood behind my car soon as I laid eyes on it, the figure walked quickly behind the wall of my garage and out of sight. Needless to say, I was completely terrified. I never saw anything like it in my life, especially outside in the middle of the day. I dared not turn around or make a sudden movement. I stayed in my car for a few seconds and then left my car, shut the garage door and went inside. I felt as though it was still watching me, even though I couldn't see it. The second occasion happened relatively soon thereafter, maybe a couple months. I was in our front yard in the afternoon. For whatever reason, I was there, I can't remember, as the experience was completely overshadowed by the sighting of the being. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw a dark spot on the roof of my house. I turned my gaze upward and focused on the dark spot. I was frozen with horror to see another shadow being. It sat just on the other side of the roof's pitch, crouched down. Although it had no eyes, I could feel that it was looking directly at me. This shadow person stayed longer than the last, as if acknowledging that, yes, it had been watching me. At least that's how I felt. It had been watching me. Then it suddenly scurried down the other side of the roof where I couldn't see it. Both figures were completely black humanoids. They lacked any sort of detail in their silhouettes... There was no real indication of gender, but I had a rather straight and it had a rather straight and slim figure, much like we might consider a man's. However, I cannot say that these beings even had genders. When I think back on these beings, a descriptive word that came to mind is blank. I cannot sense anything about them, no personality, no emotion, no physical state of being, not even a clear intention. It's almost as if they're part of a void, which is a description I've heard that rings true to my experience. What I find interesting about these incidents is that the shadow people were spotted in the same area. The second one I saw had been on the roof, directly over my parking stall in the garage. This is the only clue I have that leads me to believe they were there for a purpose. Were they interested in my car or something on my father's tool bench, or were they really interested in me? The feeling that they seem to be watching me still bothers me to this day. Are they perhaps still watching me? Do they want me to see them? Will they present themselves again? Since these incidents, I have not seen the shadow beings. I've read that many people report these shadow beings during sleep paralysis. I too have experienced sleep paralysis many times and continue to experience it up to this day. The only figure I've seen during sleep paralysis that comes close to a shadow being... "'Appeared one night when I lived in an apartment as a college student. "'On the night previous, I'd woken to what sounded like a window breaking. "'I was so scared because we lived on a ground level "'and it could have been someone breaking in. "'So I woke my boyfriend and, like a wimp, "'I asked him to go check and see if there was anyone inside. "'I waited nervously until he came back and reported that. "'Of course, everything was okay.' The next, woke to the same sound, but this time, I woke into sleep paralysis. I couldn't move, and honestly, at the time, I couldn't tell if it was because of paralysis or if I was just too scared to move because standing at my bedside, not inches from me, was a dark figure dressed in a cloak and hat. I could tell there was a knife in its hand, and it was raising it above me. My heart raced so fast, I thought it would pop out of my chest. Its beats rang in my ears, and the blood in my veins grew cold. My mind raced to force my body to act. I finally was able to break free and move. I immediately shook my boyfriend awake. But of course, by then, the then figure was gone. Still scared, I begged my boyfriend to switch sides with me so I could face the wall. The description of the dark figure in a cloak and or hat, I have read matches descriptions many other have given of shadow people. These may in fact be one of the same it isn't really for me to say, however I feel that the figure in my sleep paralysis and the figures I saw by my garage are distinctly different and that the cloaked figure had a very clear intention to harm me with the shadow people, as I stated before, I could sense no intention whatsoever I find it interesting to wonder whether being in a state of sleep makes us more open to communication with these beings and possibly more vulnerable to them This was my experience, and it may differ from the experiences of others. I don't know what these beings are, and for all I know, they could be responsible for the frightening things that would happen to me later. Or they may be responsible for the happy life I am now living. They may also have no effect on my life other than the fact the fear that I felt upon seeing them. I hope anyone out there who may be having these experiences too will find comfort in knowing that they are not alone and that there is no shame in being frightened of what we do not understand. Sometimes we need to share our stories with others in order to work through that fear. I would also hope that they can open minds because while fear is healthy, the human mind is a complex thing. and As I am sure many people know, fear can also create its own monsters. Thank you for taking the time to read my letter. I look forward to sharing more of my experiences with everyone. For now, I'll have to say goodbye as recalling these memories has me covered in goosebumps and I need to go eat a nice bowl of soup and feel better. Sincerely, Nina.
2: That was a good letter, Nina. Yes. Um, We've heard about different shadow people from different stories, but I think that's probably one of the first stories where we've had a single person talk about seeing different shadow people. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Sure. Because we've heard about the tall ones that are like as tall as a streetlight and some with eyes. But these two, one sounds like kind of your classic shadow person. And then the other one with the hat and the cape almost sounds like the guy from the first story came to visit her.
1: (laughs) It really kind of does. It's really interesting. It's almost like when you start breaking down the shadow people, there's its own categories of them too it's kind of like what she was alluding to as well right so thank you for the call thank you or thank you for the letter really do appreciate it 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in to real ghost stories online hi
0: hi my name is robin um i'm from louisville kentucky i just had a question or uh wanted to see if you guys have ever heard anything uh pertaining to having feelings of presents or ghosts uh, while having a panic attack. And the reason why I ask is because just last year, um, I went through a really bad deep depression. I've had a lot of people and friends um, pass over through the years. And I really have never had feelings or experienced captivity until around the time of last year that I had a really bad panic attack. Uh, the first one I've ever had in my life. And I was 25 and it felt just like a heart attack. It felt like a squeeze on my clavicle, um, you know, tense cold tingling down my left arm. And it, it freaked me out so much where I ended up calling the ambulance. I was not, you know, panicking at that point. There was nothing really on my mind particular that could have caused that. Ever since that incident, I have heard footsteps. I've been seeing shadow people images, um, just the feeling that somebody is watching me all the time. And I've been having reoccurring panic attacks, I'd say maybe about two a month. And every time I have that feeling that I'm being watched, boom, panic attack. I've had extensive medical, you know, um, tests run. Nothing's wrong with my heart. Um, Many EKGs, blood tests, what have you, perfectly healthy. Um, I've even talked to a psychiatrist and a therapist about it. A clean, clear bill of health, you know. (laughs) because I thought maybe, you know, I was starting to get a little bit of of schizophrenia. So I just wanted to know if maybe you guys have ever heard anything uh, or have known of any relation between supernatural, spiritual sensitivity, and panic attacks. Um, So if you guys could uh, maybe give me some answers, I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you very much. Love you so
1: Thanks for calling in and sharing your story. And she's, you certainly went down the right path of, first of all, trying to rule out medical explanations for what's going on. Because right. that could be a real serious thing if it is you know, schizophrenia or something like that, because that is kind of what it did sound like. Um, as far as uh, panic attacks, yeah, I mean, I, I have heard of that. I think it really, it's kind of dependent on the individual and how they um, react to various situations and what's going on around them and whatever it is that you are around, whether it be physical or non-physical. I would say she's probably a a very sensitive person, an empath, the sensitive, um, and maybe she's, she's picking up on these things of, you know, feel like she's being watched or something and she's not necessarily um, identifying what that feeling is other than it's, you know, just there's something there. Okay. makes sense?
2: Yeah. And she may well be a sensitive, but she said a couple of things that perked my ears up. Uh, okay. One, she mentioned last year when she had her first panic attack, she was kind of dealing with a, a deep depression. Sure. Um, And so I think you may have had depressive symptoms off and on before but if that was your first real deep depression that may be more what is at play here than even the panic attacks The so the anxiety that goes along you know depression and anxiety are just like they're always holding hands Sure, I mean they're not always together but they go together a lot and that would be part of what plays in with the panic attacks so I almost think it's more the depression that's maybe causing her to be more sensitive Mm -hmm. to the things around her so you know like I always say you kind of put your focus on on getting yourself to the best spot you can be Yeah, and that should Kind of die down somewhat
1: yeah and that's one of those things I mean even if there's the clean bill of health you know quote unquote those are things that you know if if that's with you if that's who you are and and what you have those things will come back and forth and it's gonna be something you're going to battle your entire life um, so that's one of those things where keep a close eye on that sure to keep that in check um, so it, it doesn't you know interfere with other things in your life and it doesn't essentially, you know, attract other things to you.
2: Well, and it, it, honestly, most people at one time or another during their lives will experience a bout of depression. Sure. Now, it won't necessarily be chronic to where it requires a diagnosis mm-hmm. or, or even severe enough, but, you know, you're you're going to have that just in going through life. Sure. So you can still have that clean bill of health, like we said. Sure,
1: sure. Sure. is a phone number. Let's do one more call before we wrap up the show.
6: Hey, Tony. Hey, Jenny. This is uh, Jim from Walnut Creek. Grim Jim on the message boards. And uh, I was uh, actually posted something about this on the message boards. And uh, it was suggested that I should uh, call you in with this because we were talking about dolls. And I remembered that I had this Freddy Krueger doll. And this is a pretty hideous doll. It was maybe about 18 inches tall fully articulated, uh, little hat, and I had him sitting in this little rocking chair that had appeared from somewhere, and he sat there for the longest time, and he had some some interesting phrases like, welcome to Elm Street, and let's be friends," and hi, I'm Freddie." and then one day I came home, I was minding my own business, and suddenly he said, I'm going to skin you alive, and no string was pulled, and, and it was pretty freaky. So uh, I don't know why I just didn't like toss it out then, but maybe I just couldn't believe I actually heard it. But uh, needless to say, I I put it out of sight. I stuffed it in my closet and there kind of stayed. Occasionally, I'd like go in there and kind of half look at it and just left it in there. Eventually, when I moved, I just tossed it because I figured that was a good time to ditch it. But anyway, short and sweet dolls can be freaky. Anyway, take care. Love your show. Bye.
1: My question for Jim is, was that one of the pre-recorded phrases on Freddy's voice box?
2: Yeah, if you hadn't heard it before, that is very...
1: I mean, that that could be probably researched and looked up to make sure it was, in fact, one of the things that he was supposed to be saying. Um, if not, that's pretty messed up.
2: It's very messed up.
1: Um, I remember... and th- What's interesting about those dolls, I mean, I'm thinking, I mean, if if I'm thinking of the right era of those, it's not like it was a pre-recorded button where it's essentially it's playing an mp3 within the doll those were literally small little records that discs that play on those things that's why you had to pull the string okay on today's dolls it's a it's an electronic device it's the string is for more so for retro feel than anything else it does nothing to do with playing it Um, it's just triggers the the automatic playing of the thing that's why you could get the dolls when you play them back would say it would die down as the string would get closer or worn out. Okay. Um, Today's dolls just not work. Um, So if it was in fact one of those older dolls operating on the disc and the string was not pulled, that's really creepy. Yeah. Because I could see today's dolls, those can get triggered by magnetic things. There's a lot of things that can trigger things like that Um, and would make total sense. But those... Not so much. Yeah. I could be completely wrong, but I, remember, I vaguely remember there was some sort of a story of a haunted Pee-wee Herman doll <laughs> of that era. Because I remember the Pee-wee Herman doll. It was one of those same sort of deals. And it was one where it's like, saying stuff, strings not being pulled. I gotta look that one up, but I do vaguely remember it. And then seeing it at the Kmart, going, Mom, can we get one? And My mom, of course being my mom, you know, and have, having heard the story, you know, somewhat, I was like, no, we're no, we're not getting one of those. <laughs> it's not because, you know, she didn't want to buy me a Pee-wee Herman doll, it was more so because uh, she didn't want to have a demonic Pee-wee Herman doll in her house. I don't blame her. So, yeah, I couldn't blame her either. There you go. It's my mom. Which, by the way, I put a fun picture up of me and my mom on Halloween of like 1991 on our Facebook page, dressed as zombies. (laughs) It explains a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, check that out. If you're not an EPP yet, hopefully you will consider becoming one. You get a bonus episode every single week and you will get access to our uh, new uh, video that we're putting together, a, a short film, Spirits in the... About the air uh, about the haunted airport. Uh, check out that trailer on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com Become an EPP through the website at realghoststoriesonline.com So, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thank you for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online.